We're going to be in Mark's gospel today, Mark chapter 12, moving through the gospel of Mark, moving through this long day that Jesus has spent in the temple grounds, um, answering questions, um, clarifying things to his critics, and we're going to begin reading here in just a moment, Mark chapter 12. Um, you know, it's in my mind when I go through these messages, I think back over how long we've been in this particular place. It was just the day before this that Jesus visited the temple and ran out from the temple, the money changers, and said, my father's house was to be a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. And then he began to engage different people and they began to come to him, chief priests and Pharisees and Sadducees and elders and scribes, uh, came just in waves, come to him throughout this long, long day. And every one of these teachings we've looked at in this chapter are part of that day. And included in that, he's preaching the gospel and teaching people in the crowds. If you're looking at your Bible there, Mark 12, if you look in chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, and he went out of the temple. So chapter 13 will begin a time period after he leaves the temple and he'll be questioned by his disciples about uh, the temple itself. We'll get to that in the days ahead. But just to kind of remember where we are. If you're able to stand, stand with us please for the reading of the scripture. We're going to begin in verse 38. And really, uh, one of the things that makes this, several things that make this teaching so significant, uh, but one of them is that this really appears to be the final words that he spoke to the multitudes of listeners. After this, everything will be directed just to his disciples. So if you're looking at his final message, the final words of Jesus to the crowds, to the masses of people, this is what we're going to look at today. What's he going to say? Look in verse 38, if you would, please. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the upper rooms at feasts which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. So very interesting to me that the last thing that Jesus says to this public crowd, not just disciples, but to the masses of people, keep in mind it's the Passover celebration. Tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people have converged on Jerusalem. What's the last thing he's going to say? And what he's, The last thing he says is, beware of the scribes. I think that's very interesting. And we're going to look at that topic today. Beware of the scribes, and let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you again for your word. We pray for your help. I pray for your help as I seek to just declare, to explain, to present, to preach what we find in these texts, make application to our lives, and be with all of us as we seek to apply it to our lives. Father, we acknowledge before you today that it certainly appears there's a little bit of what the scribes had in all of us. This tendency to be pretentious 
Lord, to be hypocritical. And I pray that today, God, if nothing else, you would just help all of us, Lord, to be honest and transparent before you for our own good and for your glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, Jesus is teaching to the multitude. Matthew 23, which we may turn to, but probably not, is an entire chapter devoted to these three verses we find here in Mark uh, chapter 12. But in Matthew's gospel, it says that he spake to the multitude and to his disciples. So there's no, no questioning. It's for everyone. And what was it? It was a warning. Look at what he says in verse uh, 38. He said unto them in his doctrine, beware. That's a warning. He's, it's a caution. Beware about the danger of the scribes. Beware about the dangerous influence of the scribes. And it's a part of his teaching. The, the word doctrine, if you look there in verse 38, he said unto them in his doctrine, as you uh, want to remember this, that doctrine is not just a select view verses or topics. Doctrine is teaching. It's whatever is being taught. And this was a part of his teaching. His teaching was to warn these people about the scribes. Now, again, who are the scribes? And I just want to... Take a moment on this because I don't want to miss it. The word scribe is not a religious group. It has to do with their occupation. It has to do with what they do in life. Sometimes the scribes were secretaries or recorders. They kept records, accurate records. Uh, sometimes scribes actually, their job was to, by, by hand, uh, copy the manuscripts, the Old Testament scriptures. They would copy them carefully, meticulously. They were scribes. Often they were called actually lawyers. They were experts in the law, but not in like, not like what you see on commercials and billboards. They were experts in the Mosaic law, in the law of the scripture, in the things of, of God, and even teachers of the law. But that's not their religious affiliation. That's their job they usually belong to the sect of the Pharisees. That's why you often hear them referred to together, scribes and Pharisees. Scribes were usually Pharisees. And most always they were antagonistic toward Jesus Christ. And eventually they would be responsible for his crucifixion, for his execution. Jesus is warning everyone about the scribes. The scribes no doubt were present. He was warning everybody in their, own, in their own audience about the scribes. By the way, warning, warnings are things that leaders do. This was a part of his doctrine. His doctrine included warnings. Leaders in the home, moms and dads, our responsibility is to warn. Warn our children. Warn about things that are not good for them or dangerous for them or things that would be better in church, we get warnings. We ought to get warnings. Paul warned people. Jesus here is warning people. He's calling out these spiritual leaders. He's warning people about these spiritual leaders. By the way, I don't think we'd, any of us would be doing our job, including the pastor, the, whoever it is, people in the church, if, we, if some of our message doesn't include warnings. It did for Jesus. By the way, legitimate warnings should be taken seriously. Jesus was giving them this warning. Now, why would he use such strong language? Why would he caution others about the scribes and Pharisees? So let's talk a little bit about their conduct 
in their character. You say, well, we've done this before. Jesus did it before too. Numerous times Jesus did it. And one trait, if I were to ask you to give me a one word definition or description or characteristic of a Pharisee or a scribe, I think most people would get the answer right. They were hypocrites. That's the most common thing said about them. They were hypocrites. Well, what is a hypocrite? Once again, if I think if I were to say, uh, for $1,000 today, I want you to give me a one-word definition of a hypocrite. If you had time to think about it, I think the majority of the answers probably would be this. A hypocrite is an one-word answer, is an actor. They're actors. They act like they're one thing, when in reality there's something else. That's what a hypocrite is. Webster's 1828. I like to look at those definitions sometimes. Webster's 1828 says this about a hypocrite is one who feigns to be what he is not. A person who acts like he's something that he is not. And he goes on to say one who assumes an appearance of piety or holiness and virtue when he's actually destitute of true religion. These were hypocrites. As a matter of fact, one place in the Gospel of Luke, when it's talking about the Pharisees and the scribes, it says they came to Jesus and they feigned to be godly men. They acted like they were godly men when really they were just trying to trick him. They were hypocrites. There's much in the Gospel about the hypocrisy of these people. Now let's look in verse 38 and we're going to see some of the things they did as a result of their hypocrisy. I hope you'll uh, stay with us here and keep focused. In verse 38 it says, He said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes who, which love, I have that word underlined in my Bible, love, to go in long clothing. They love to go in, their dress was a part of their hypocrisy. Uh, a little bit of background. I find this interesting and um, the word that's translated there for long clothing is the word stole, S-T-O-L-E. Not stole like you stole something, like an election. Stole. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> the word stole is like a mink stole. It's like a long garment. That's the, that's the Greek word. It's a stole, stole Look at, we're in Mark. Go to the right just a little bit. Mark chapter 16. And this is at the time of the resurrection. Look in verse 5. It says, And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right, we're in Mark 16, 5, sitting on the right side, talking about at the tomb, the sepulcher, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. That's the same word, stole, long garment. By the way, that's what you see the angels, that's what we're going to be clothed in in heaven if you're reading the book of Revelation in these robes of white. They're going to be garments. And so that's what this word means. But let's go like a little bit further back in history to think about why they were doing that. If, if we were to take our Bibles, and matter of fact, let's just do it. Hold your finger here, Mark chapter 12, and go with me, if you would, to the book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and we're just going to make a brief little detour here. Numbers chapter 15. 
And this is where this whole thing comes from. It's worth looking at. Numbers chapter 15 and verse 37. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. And they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. Now it's going to explain the purpose of this. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, along the fringe, the lower fringe of your garment, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. When you look at it, you're going to think about God's commandments. I preached a sermon on this years ago. That you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which you used to go a-whoring that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt. To be your God, I am the Lord your God. So this matter of wearing these robes with these fringes on it, these ribbons on it, was something that God had them to do. Now why? These fringes were to remind them of God's commandments. When they would look at their clothing, they would remember that we belong to God. And we're to live for God. And it says there that they are a holy people. But as often happens over the centuries, leaders began to make these things symbols of their piety, symbols of their godliness, symbols of their holiness. And the borders got bigger and bigger. Bigger borders, more fringes, until it became like a sign to everyone about how holy you were. And when Jesus is explaining this over in Mark's, Matthew's gospel, he said this, all their works they do for to be seen of men. Now what was the purpose, the original purpose? It was that they were holy, to remind themselves they belong to God. They're a holy people. We're to live by the commandments of God. But as often happens, as I said earlier, over the years it became something more like a status symbol. And, the, and, the, and the, that's why Jesus said in other places they make broad their phylacteries. That's what that term is talking about. My, these must be really, really holy people. Look at the way they're dressed. So these, Jesus, first thing he pointed out about these people's hypocrisy is you love to go in long clothing. You just love to parade around in public so people can see how holy you are. Now let me say a few words because I think it's appropriate about clothing and dress. You know, I used to, uh, I have heard this. I've heard people say to me over the years, you know, about church people. They say, they're, they're just, it's just like a fashion show. Well, first of all, I don't think they've been to our church if they think it's a fashion show. Now, I've never been to a fashion show, but I don't think most of what we wear is fashionable. Now, no offense. But, uh, but people say that. You know why they say that? Because people dress up to go to church. So they, say, they think it's like hypocrisy, like they're being a, it's like a, a fashion show. Now, I was thinking this morning, for, for now, for 45 years, on an average, three or more times a week, I go to church. I mean, I'm, we have revival meetings that would add to that. I preach a number of churches over the years. But it, just counting regular services, that's about 7,000 services, right? I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of services. Um, 
And I was remembering when I first started going to church. And I don't think I owned a pair of pants that was not Levi's jeans. And I doubt if I owned a collared shirt, not in my closet. I didn't have any shirts in my closet. They were all t-shirts folded up in a drawer. And that's the way it was. And when I started going to church, it was a church tip, sort of like this. Most people were, you know, had dressed up to go to church or whatever. But never once did I think to myself, all those people are hypocrites. Those men with their ties on, those ladies with their dresses, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. I never thought that. You know what I thought? I thought they loved the Lord. And I thought they wanted to dress up to go to the house of God to worship him. And before long, I was doing the same thing. I just fell in line. I got me a, a blue leisure suit. I'll never forget it. It's the, it's the kind of thing you'd wear on Halloween or something. <laughs> and a striped tie. And I didn't know what kind of ties to wear, but I, that's the only thing I had in a ward all the time. I, now you don't have to worry about ties because we have Guy Albrecht, and he is the tie inspector. I put this tie on today, guy, and I thought, guy would say this is a Baptist tie, because sometimes he tells me some of my ties are kind of edgy. But <laughs> the point is, over all of these years, I'm making a point, over all of these years, I may have known one or two people who seem to try to impress people with their dress, and that's maybe. None of them are here today, by the way. You know, and, but if they did, if they sought to impress people with their dress, then they were wrong. They were wrong. That's what these people were doing. They were, they were trying to get attention because of the way they dressed. Now, I think we ought to dress right, right? I mean, I think we should. I, matter of fact, it's a very interesting thing that the, this word that's translated here, I mentioned it earlier, translated as long clothing is very similar to the word in 1 Timothy where it's talking about a lady's dress and it says adorn themselves in modest apparel. The Greek word there is katastole, same kind of word. And it describes a garment let down. And there's nothing wrong with men wanting to dress right and women wanting to dress modestly. It's commanded in the scripture. But if it becomes an external show of some form of holiness, then it's not right. The dress isn't wrong. The heart is the thing that's wrong. So these scribes and Pharisees wanted to people, people to think they were holy because of their dress. And that's a sad thing, isn't it? When we want the external thing to say more to people than really what's on the inside. There's, another, there's other things mentioned here, and I won't spend as much time on it. But the second one is, if you look in verse 38, they love salutations in the marketplace. They love that. They love to be greeted and honored and addressed with words of respect in the public arena. Now, Matthew tells us more about this, and I'm not going to go into all that, but Matthew says there are three different things you like for people to call you and he tells them that every one of them are wrong. He said, you like for people to call you rabbi. You like for people to call you master. And you like for people to call you father. That's what, remember that Jesus said? And that's when Jesus said, call no man father because God is your father. These, were, these, these scribes and Pharisees wanted these titles of importance. 
Call me Father. Call us Rabbi. And Jesus said, Jesus, you know what Jesus said to them? He says, you know, we're all brethren and we're all servants. In Matthew chapter 23. I, I was thinking about this, something that I saw this week. I was up at a conference in Iowa early this week. My wife and I had the privilege of speaking to some pastors. But I heard this preacher say this. And if I didn't hear it from him personally, I'd maybe kind of question it. But I, I know he's being honest when he said it. He said he was calling a church. And he asked for the pastor. And when the pastor got on the phone, this man that was calling him referred to him as brother so-and-so. Called his name, brother so-and-so. And that pastor interrupted him, stopped him and said, excuse me, it's doctor. And he said, this friend of mine said, I, I just wanted to hang up the phone or say, excuse me, I don't have anything to say. You know what that is? That's what we're talking about right here. These names and titles of honor. Now, I, I was in the dentist's office this week. I know you're interested in all my personal business. I went to see the dentist, and, I, and, I'm, and I'll tell you, very few things uh, make me tense more than going to the dentist. And I really want to get on his good side. So when he walked into the room, I said, hey, doc. I didn't say that to try to elevate his, I said it because that's what he does, right? But these people who want to be called doctor, who insist on being called doctor, I think to me it's because they want that honor, that prestige. That's what these Pharisees were doing. It's the very same thing. You know, when someone calls me pastor, calls me preacher, you know, I don't take it as a sign, a title that elevates me. I just take it as a, this is what I do. Just like the doctor, this is what he does. Um, when Brother Sites calls me on the phone, or when I call him on the phone, I should say, because he, he answers different when I call him. But when I call him on the phone, if I get him to answer it, <laughs> tell him I said that, Laura. He always says this, always, my shepherd. And he says it just like that, doesn't he? My shepherd. Now, when he says that, it doesn't call pride to bo cause pride, you know, to boast, fill my heart, because it, it humbles me, because this is what God's allowed me to do. So that title is not one of, it's not one of giving honor or recognition or undue praise, but that's exactly what these people wanted. Call me rabbi. Call me father. And by the way, you know this. A lot of religions, they're big into that. I'm not calling any religious man a father. Amen? I have a father. He's in heaven. So, he, so this, this is this hypocrisy, this hypocrisy that's on display among these scribes. Look in verse 38. They love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace, verse 39, and the chief seats in the synagogues. Now, in those days, they were, and they're probably that way now, you know, the places that they had reserved seating, you know, for the celebrities, basically, for people that were important, they loved that. If they got the, if they got the special place of, at the feast, the special place, there, it was a place of honor. They loved to be seated there. They were putting themselves up on a pedestal in a way. And then look at the next thing. It says, verse 40, and this is very sad, very evil. 
It says, which devour widows' houses. Now this is one of the worst things that a hypocrite could do. Besides being a hypocrite, they use their position to take advantage of some of the most vulnerable people, widows. They devour widows' houses. Now there's nothing in the Bible that explains what they did, but there's a lot of material out there history and things that have been written about that, how they they took advantage of widows. They would take money from them. They would cheat them out of their estates. You know, as I said earlier, and you know this, some of the scribes were lawyers. And because they were in this position, they could, you know, where the people would seek their legal advice, they were taking advantage of them. Imagine a religious leader who would fleece their followers. That's exactly what this is saying. And you know what comes to my mind when I say that? There are many false preachers today who do the very same thing. Send me your money and God will bless you. And while they're building these mansions and spending time on these million dollar yachts, some widow woman, some person that's impoverished is sending them money hoping to help them out taking advantage of the lonely and the helpless that's anything but being Christ like these people were hypocrites they were acting like one thing and yet they were doing something else and look at this next one it's so descriptive verse 40 and for a pretense make long prayers a pretense means they're pretending When I was a kid, we used to call it, let's let's play like. Some people say, let's pretend. It's the same thing. They were were saying these long prayers, but they weren't really talking to God. It was show. They wanted to sound holy. They wanted to make these long prayers so so people would think they're they're holy. This is what Jesus said about them in Matthew chapter 6, instructing his disciples. He said, and when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corner of the streets. They loved it. Jesus used that word often. They loved it. They lived for this. They desired this. Then he goes on to say, they love to stand praying in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Let me tell you, long prayers are not wrong, but hypocritical prayers are wrong. So Jesus is calling out last words, final message. What are you going to preach? I'm going to warn people about the danger of the scribes. He warned this crowd about their hypocrisy. What makes this so dangerous? For one thing, because these deceivers are religious leaders. They're the ones that are leading, but they're fakes. They're frauds. They're blind leaders of the blind, Jesus said in another place. They're perceived to be one thing and they are something else. They're just playing the part. Imagine that, just playing the part. They're pretenders. They pretend to worship God. They pretend to pray. But you know who they're thinking about? They're always thinking about themselves. How do I look? What will they do for me? It's pathetic. They're corrupt. Reminds me of politicians, in case you hadn't thought about it already, and I'm not going to go any further with that, but that's the way they are. They act like they're for the people to get elected, and then when they get in office, they're for themselves. These people were evil. 
In another place it says that they replaced the word of God with their tradition. And the worst crime of all is they hated Jesus Christ. They hated Jesus Christ. They conspired to have him killed. You know, a lot of people in our world, I was thinking about this this morning, are being deceived by false teachers. Aren't they? They really are, a lot of them. False doctrine, impure motives. And, and this, Jesus warned his disciples in another place about the leaven of the Pharisees because it just spreads. That hypocrisy spreads and corrupts. Think about this today. wonder how many people today in our world are disillusioned with the corruption of religion and traditions that aren't based in the word of God. You know what they need? They need the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So as I think about this this morning, and to me it's, a, it's such an intriguing concept or subject, I think we ought to be warned ourselves. And please think about this if you would. By the way, I don't know a person in my in our church that we even begin to be like these people. I don't know anybody. We all fail. We all make mistakes. But I don't know anybody that's play acting and trying to act like they're one thing when they're not. A true hypocrite is not saved because a true hypocrite is acting a part. They're acting like there's something that they're not. But having said that, please listen to me today. There is in all of us the tendency to be hypocritical. You say, what do you mean by that? All of us have acted or spoke at some time like we were in a far better place spiritually than we really were. We're acting like everything's okay when in reality it's not. You know, it's, it's easy. If you've been in church for any length of time, it's easy to talk the talk. But sometimes we can talk the talk and not be walking the walk. And you know what that is? That's hypocrisy. At the, and by the way, at the center of hypocrisy, I believe, is pride. I've mentioned several times the passage in Matthew where Jesus dealt with all this stuff in greater detail. One of the things he said in Matthew was this. You make the outside of the cup and platter clean but the inside is filthy he didn't use the word filthy but that's basically what he's saying you clean up the outside imagine taking a coffee cup and cleaning the outside really good and leaving the inside now some people do that they think it's cool especially men men have weird ideas you know coffee gets better the more stuff's growing inside the cup (laughs) but Jesus said you clean the outside of the cup but you don't even give any attention to the inside of the cup. So the outside of the cup looks really good and clean. But you don't care about the inside of the cup. He said, this is what he said, first, first, clean the inside of the cup. That the outside of the cup will also be clean. And that's true. We don't, we don't, we don't ever try as working with people and trying to help people come to Christ. We don't ever try to get them to clean up their life so they'll be better. No. The need, the need needs to start, the cure starts inside of us, in our hearts. You know, I said earlier, when we started going to church, 
You know, nothing about my language, nothing about my life, my habits, my friends, nothing looked like I belonged in church. And I don't know that I look like I belong in church now, but I'll tell you, when I got saved, something happened on the inside, and when something happened on the inside, things started changing on the outside. Jesus said, first, first, clean the inside. He, said, he also said to those people, ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. You look good on the outside, but inside, he says, you're full of hypocrisy. And then another place, talking to these same people, he quoted from Isaiah and said, this people... This people honoreth me with their lips. They say that I'm important to them, but their heart is far from me. And that gets to the heart of the matter. And that's the matter of the heart. That's the most important thing. That our heart would be in the right place. That our heart would be right with God. That our heart would be surrendered. God help us if we're not sincere. God help us if we don't humble ourselves. You know, the tendency is we think about these things. I start thinking about religious groups and people and all kinds of things about where hypocrisy exists and it's rampant. But you know, the first place we ought to look for hypocrisy is in the mirror. Am I, am I sincere? Or am I just acting like something that's not really me? My Bible's still open in Mark chapter 12. Notice what it said in, with Jesus. Jesus said, excuse me, in verse 40, the last five words. These, talking about these scribes, these shall receive greater damnation. These people, he said, are going to experience a judgment that's even more severe. Greater damnation. These people who maintained an external appearance of godliness, but they were just acting, their condemnation is going to be greater. You know, there are people that we know, perhaps you've felt this way at some time in your life, but I know there are people I read about that, you know, that they think because a person is religious that somehow it's going to earn them something with God. You know what I'm saying? But they're religious. You hear this stuff sometimes. They're good in all religions. God loves all religions. You can find good in all religions. Well, Jesus didn't find anything good in this religion. Did he? No. He said these people are going to experience the most severe condemnation and judgment of anyone more severe you know why because they were religious hypocrites and not just because they were play actors but because they were influencing others in the same way and in their heart they rejected Christ in their heart they rejected the gospel so Jesus takes the last sermon imagine if you were a preacher and you'd spend years preaching like Jesus. And you're going to pull out the lat. You're going to have one final opportunity to preach. And you're going to look through your sermons and get an outline. What's the last sermon I'm going to preach? This is what Jesus did. 
You know what he said? Beware of the scribes. That's an interesting thing. Caution. Be cautious of hypocrites. Imagine standing there in the temple when Jesus gave this warning. I don't know. I think I'd be looking for a rock to crawl under. You know what I'm saying? This is so piercing, so probing. And they were right there. So let's think about this together as we close. What about us? First of all, what about your personal relationship with God? Is it real? Do you act like it's more real than it really is? You say, well, I think if a person was a hypocrite, everybody around them would know it. Let me remind you of something. They're going to go from here in a short while to the upper room where Jesus is going to have the last supper with his disciples. And Jesus is going to say to them, there's one among us who's going to betray me. And you know what the disciples said? Is that I? Judas Iscariot lived with these people and he was a hypocrite and none of them said it's got to be Judas. Just because a person can act the part doesn't mean it's real to them. Do you have a relationship with God that's sincere? You know you've been born again. You know you've repented of your sins. You've put your faith in what Christ did on the cross for you. He, and as a result, you know that he saved you. You were born again. All of us make mistakes. All of us fail from time to time. But being a Christian is not something we try to act like. It's something we are. Our life has been changed. Jesus is real to us. We don't have to have somebody always standing over our shoulder and pointing out everything that's wrong with us because we have someone living within us who points out things that are not right with us. Is it real to you? And if not, if not, you ought to be saying, Lord, I want, I want the real deal. I want to be the real deal. I want to really be your child. And today, he wants to save you. He died for all, all of us. He wants to save you. And if you're not saved, you ought to come to him today in faith. Just say, Lord, I need you. And you say, well, I'm not sure how to do that. Well, we'll be here to help you. I'll be standing right down here in a few minutes. And no matter who you are, if you say, that's, that's something I need. I want to make sure about this. Come right to me and we'll talk about that. And then what about those of us who are saved? We know we're saved. We've been born again. God has changed our life. It'd be good for us to be reminded today that hypocrisy is something that can come very natural to us, to act like something so when it's not. I don't want it in me. None of us want it in ourselves. Amen? Let's bow our heads together for prayer. While our heads are bowed.
today, every head bowed, no one looking around. I want, us to, I want you to think about this today. Surely as we think about this sermon, there's something in it that would benefit all of us. It's just good sometimes to say, Lord, I just want to be honest and sincere. We ought to always be that way, but sometimes the Lord has a way of just cornering us and just saying, this is, you need to really be honest about this. We're not actors. I'm going to pray in just a moment and it may be that you're here today and you, you know in your heart, I need, I need to get this matter settled. I need to know for sure that I'm going to heaven. And if that's you with people's head bowed and no one looking around, you ought to just come meet me here at the front. Let's talk about it and pray about it. Or maybe you just want to get right there at your chair or here at this altar and say, Lord, search me today. Father, I thank you for these words of Jesus. and I don't know about everybody else, but they've certainly spoken to my heart. And Lord, I just pray today that your word would work in each of our lives. Father, I ask you today to search us. Lord, I don't want to be a pretender, an actor. We want our walk to match our talk. Not because we're something, but because you're everything. God, help us as we do the right thing to do it for the right reason. To please you, to glorify you, to honor you, and not to impress people. 